When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Football Social Daily. The 2022-23 Premier League champions are Manchester City. Well, not officially, of course, but that's what everyone's saying after last night's showdown with Arsenal. The winners will win the title, they said, and the winners comprehensively were Manchester City. A 4-1 win at the Etihad as Arsenal were eaten up. Have the Gunners really bottled the title, or do we need some perspective on what's been a roller coaster season? Things may have become a little clearer at the top, but at the bottom of the Premier League, we're still no closer to knowing who is going down. Forest with a fantastic win last night, moving themselves out and sucking Leicester back in to the top flight drop zone. And Everton, Southampton and Bournemouth are all playing tonight as well. Tottenham also returned to action this evening after the weekend's humbling by Newcastle. The players have reimbursed the fans who made the trip to the northeast, but will we see a reaction? And in the fight of the Franks, Brentford's Thomas prevailed at the bridge, Frank Lampard losing a fifth Chelsea game in a row. Multiple midweek matches to go through on today's episode of Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall and in the studio today I'm joined by Jim and I'm joined by Marley. How are you doing, boys? Very good, thank you. Another week, another failure to understand the handball rule from the Premier League officials. Another VAR and here we are error. again. Yes. You're quite chipper this morning considering West Ham got beat last night. I sense that you're maybe a little bit more relaxed about relegation. Yeah, I think... There's a few teams pulling away from the relegation zone. We'll get onto it shortly. But 35 points is almost definitely going to be enough this season. And that's one more point for West Ham. And if we don't get another point from the next six games, we deserve to go down. <laughs> so <laughs> Entirely possible. Yeah, your final game of the season is actually against Leicester, yeah. which will be really interesting. I even think 34 might be enough, but 35 yeah. definitely will be. Well, at the moment, the bottom three is moving and shaking all the time. Teams in and out and in and out. And as Jim says, we'll discuss it. A little bit later on, but first, we've got to tackle this game last night at the Etihad. The biggest game of the season, the title decider, the showdown, and it finished pretty much one-sided in the end as Manchester City, the current Premier League champions, beat Arsenal 4-1. A comprehensive win, Marley, for Manchester City. Title over? Yeah, I think so. Um, Put on our Twitter yesterday that does anyone actually expect Arsenal to win this game? Because it was just everybody just writing this off as, as a City win. And it would have been like typical football for Arsenal to to go and sort of scrap out a, a nil-nil draw, which would put everything back in their hands or or sneak a win, which would obviously sort of um, completely overturn the sort of way everything was going. But it was just it was just a procession for Arsenal. Seven minutes uh, for Man City, seven minutes for them to score the first goal. Uh, typical of them, just far too easy. Rob Holding just can't deal with Haaland, allows him to bring it down, and then obviously De Bruyne is running at the other defender. And it's as simple as, like, it's, it's a good shot, but Ramsdale shouldn't let it in at his near post, 100%. You want, you, you want your goalie saving that. Um, and that just summed them up. As soon as it was 1-0 after seven minutes, you were like, this, they're not. They haven't got the character to come back from this, I don't think. 
Um, and it was, what was it, 2-0 before half-time, then three, and then they get one back. And even even in after scoring in the 88th minute or whatever it was, they still had time to concede another. Um, so it was just far too easy for Man City. Um, and Arsenal, they had the chance. But what was it, eight points clear at one point? They've screwed it. Then. I don't think it's too much of a criticism, though, to a team to go, you don't know how to deal with Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland, because... No one knows yeah, how to deal with Kevin De Bruyne. So easy though. But it's the biggest game of the season. I think, just I think don't that, lose. See De Bruyne's Do second goal. That was that was a joke. Rob Holding was a joke for but that. I don't think that. I think last night proved it's so difficult to play against those two. And you watched the Arsenal defence try and deal with Haaland in different ways last night and fail every time. It's like yeah, Rob yeah. Holding for the first goal got right up against Haaland, tried to get hold of him, went right. You're not going anywhere. Haaland's yeah, so pin strong. He just picks it up and passes it off. And Kevin De Bruyne's movement's yeah, yeah, so good. Just, you stand off Haaland like they did in the latter half of the game. Yeah. He just runs beyond you because yeah, yeah. he's so fast. I it's think like, it's fair, yeah, a fair point though. Manchester Fowling. City have better players than <laughs> just, Arsenal, don't they? Yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, look at the players that came on for a start, like when they made the substitutes towards the end of the game and you've got Arsenal bringing on Smith Rowe, who is a brilliant young player, but he's not. Mares or... Yeah, he's not walking into on, every yeah, team in the Bernardo. Premier League. City bring on Mares, they bring on Foden. It's just, again, it's strength and depth. And Marley was saying the other day, and I was surprised by this stat, that City have used less players than anyone else in the Premier League. Yeah, 18. But mm. those 18 players that they have used walk into any team in Europe. I always say this, people say that City have really good squad depth. They, they don't have a massive squad. It's like a myth that they've got this huge squad. Yeah. What they do have is 20 players who are all good enough to play mm. first-team football for Manchester City. I think that's the difference, isn't it? They've got 20 top-quality players. And as much as it was disappointment for Arsenal last night, from my perspective as a neutral, and I am a neutral in this situation, I quite wanted Arsenal not to lose. I'm not saying I necessarily wanted Arsenal to win. I think if it even had been a draw it would have made it a bit more exciting, this title race, which has been amazing all season. Mm. You've had Arsenal leading the way and then Manchester City have put this run together as they always do. Pep Guardiola again, regenerating his team. What a manager he is. We'll come on to him in a second, but the title's now over. with four games to go and I feel a bit shortchanged and I don't know why. And Manchester City fans won't care listening to this, but I just wanted it to go on a bit longer. It would have been nice if it had gone down to the final day for a bit of excitement. The other end of the table might go down to the final day, but I'm not so sure it's quite as cut and dry as everyone thinks it oh, is. Manchester City have two games in hand and they're now ahead. It's, I, I, well, they're not ahead. Clear, they're still behind. They're still two points behind. Two, yeah, but, but they've got two yeah. games in hand. So feasibly, they could draw two of their remaining fixtures and then it's all kind of even terms. And I appreciate this is like it's 90% cities now this league but there are tricky games in City's calendar well they've got Fulham, Fulham away is not ridiculous yeah. then you've got yeah, it is. Fulham West Ham Fulham without Mitrovic are just slowly sinking Brentford this, these potentially are the, that's a draw Man I mean, City games here you've got Fulham West Ham Leeds Everton a terrible Chelsea side Brighton Brentford that's what you've got so and then of course maybe the, Brighton the thing that maybe might Brentford. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe, but the thing that might change it all is that semi-final of the Champions League against Real Madrid. Which you is know, if they've got a Champions League final to look forward to, if they beat Real Madrid, then maybe that changes their performance in the league games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that will be a distraction and it will be a consideration in terms of the games around those as to what team Pep Guardiola puts out as well. But, I mean, it's not completely done and dusted. It's mostly done and dusted. But from Arsenal's point of view... I mean, let me say something very controversial. City are pretty good at football. <laughs> and 
I don't think there's any shame at all in terms of finishing second to this Man City team. It's partly why I'm a little bit disappointed about last night's result in terms of the title race not going down to the wire because we were on course for one of the best Premier League seasons ever. A gripping title race which now looks all but over. A top four race which kept shifting one way then the other but now Spurs have been terrible and looks like they're out of it. Liverpool have been terrible so it's pretty much sealed for Newcastle and Manchester United now, I believe. At the bottom, it's still really exciting, but that started to narrow down. Mm. You expect that to happen towards the end of a season, but for sort of five or six games to go, it ought to be almost sewn up. It's a bit of a shame, really. And as much as you commend Manchester City, and they absolutely should be commended for another incredible performance last night and another amazing season, they could well win a trophy treble, and that deserves immense, immense credit. It's not like when you know people go back and say Manchester United used to dominate, which they did, but Arsenal came along and won a couple of titles here and there. Chelsea came along and won a couple of titles here and there during that period that Sir Alex Ferguson was dominant. No one's getting close to Manchester City. Liverpool did for a bit, but they only won one title. Mm. And City would win the other three of the four seasons that those two were really going at it. And it just doesn't feel like... The power balance is, is moving at all. It just feels Manchester City are the best team and are going to stay that way for ages. I think that's how it felt under Fergie at United, though. But Chelsea came up with Mourinho and won a couple of titles. And, there'll be and a Arsenal team. with Wenger. But there was a period, no one's done that there was a period when they were untouchable. And everyone went, well, Manchester United are just the greatest team. They will be the greatest team forevermore. Nothing is ever going to change that. And the same was with Liverpool in the 80s. And things do change. Challenges come along. And you look at Newcastle now. I mean, City are where they are because Newcastle of the aren't going to win the Premier League. They're just not going to win the Why Premier not? League. Because they just won't, will they? Why Come can't on. they do it if City have done it? Well, not on next a similar, season. On a, not, not, not in the next three seasons, Newcastle won't win the Premier League. You can quote me on that. I don't know. I, I, I think they can... We'll I win think it when Pep goes. Simple as that. I'm not in compete. a rush to win it. I can, I can wait until the Baldi goes back to Spain. I'm, I'm all right. I think they can compete. And football surprises you. And like I say, we've been here before where there's been one team that's been so dominant and another team has come out of nowhere and risen. And I mean, who knows? Aliens could land on <laughs> Earth next week and they could, might have a really rare resource here. that's worth more money they're, than any of the Norwegian oil. They're Norwegian and scored uh, 49 goals this season. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, yeah, it's um, City have got where they are through the financial impetus that that club has had. Hmm. No one could argue and with that. And the coaching as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they've bought in good managers. They've bought very well in the transfer market. Hmm. But ultimately, it's down to the investment. Newcastle now have a similar level of investment. Other teams may be able to secure and that will change the balance again. And who knows, the people at Manchester City at the top now might not be around in yeah. five years. They might mm. decide that they want to invest their money somewhere else. They, they might want to pull out. We just don't <laughs> yeah. know. But talking of Pep Guardiola, because I've seen a lot of narrative on social media, particularly from Manchester City fans, after last night's result, and it's going to sound like I'm going two-footed in on Manchester City today, which isn't the intention... You know, Pep's the greatest, that's what they say. And I can understand why they would say that, because he is one of the greatest. And I think there is maybe an argument here or there for him to be the greatest manager that the Premier League has ever seen. But because they beat an Arsenal side who weren't expected to be challenging for the title in what's been an otherwise underwhelming season for all the other teams in the top flight, particularly Liverpool, who've been closest to them for all this time, just because he's beaten Arsenal last night, I just don't understand why that all of a sudden makes him the greatest ever after one result. I don't get that. And also, you know, you want to compare him to Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. Until Pep wins the Champions League with Manchester City, which he could well do in a month's time, two months' time, which makes my point redundant. Until that happens, 
I do not see how you can call Pep Guardiola greater than Sir Alex Ferguson, the greatest ever. I just can't see that. I think he's probably the greatest this decade, isn't he? Oh, easily. Uh, th- that is undisputable. But you've got Fergie. I'd even say Arsene Wenger is up there in terms of Premier League greats, in terms of what he achieved at Arsenal and the way he changed football. Mm. I think he was a, a great, potentially sometimes underrated football manager. I think what Pep Guardiola has that makes him stand out from a lot of other managers and maybe even particularly the crop at the moment is his mindset and his focus and attention to detail. It's his th- ability to regenerate the team, that which is I well, think yeah. But I think, I think last night we saw, like, Man City looked like winners from the second they moved onto the pitch. You could tell that they had a mindset where they were the best team and they were going to win that game. And that comes from the manager. And also, there was a moment when Kevin De Bruyne scored that first goal that you talked about, Marley. And you looked at Pep Guardiola on the bench and he went crazy for about 20 seconds. Like jumping around, this is it, titles ours, proper cup final goal moment. Suddenly, snapped, stopped. He'd remembered something he'd seen in that game moments before Edison had done something that he didn't like. And he suddenly switched from joyous celebration to absolutely balling out Edison for this tiny thing that he'd done. I've, I've no idea what it is. I wasn't paying that much attention to the game. I doubt anyone watching would have noticed but that's the kind of level of detail and the attention to detail mm. that Pep Guardiola has, that every single moment on that pitch is scripted and every single play is worked out beforehand. And I think that really does set him apart. But like you say, he needs to win the Champions yeah. League. If, if he wins the treble this season, I understand the arguments for him being the greatest Premier League manager ever. Right now, I don't understand. And if we're talking solely Premier League, then there are so many achievements like the Centurion season, uh, winning multiple trophies in consecutive seasons, in terms of titles, domestic domination as well for Manchester City. There are arguments for both Pep Guardiola and Sir Alex Ferguson. I just think Manchester City fans and Manchester United fans are always going to have this between each other, aren't they? Sir Alex is better than Pep. Pep's better than Sir Alex. I think at the moment we should just be enjoying watching what he's been able to achieve. I've enjoyed Such a pacifist. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I've already said I think Ferguson's the greatest until Pep Guardiola wins two Champions Leagues with Manchester City or matches him with the treble, which he could well do this season, mm. then we've got an argument on our hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I see it. But anyway, we'll move on yeah. and we'll talk about Arsenal because they've been pretty good to watch this season. But the turning point, I think, Marley, I don't know whether you agree, was half-time at Anfield about three weeks ago. Mm. They were 2-0 up. Second half, Liverpool come out, score twice, erase that lead. Ramsdale has to come up with some clutch saves at the end to stop Arsenal losing the game. Then the following week, they're 2-0 up again and they let it slip. And they've drawn three games now going into this massive game with Manchester City, which has brought City closer to them. They haven't been the same since half-time at Anfield. Are we still talking about what's been a great season for Arsenal? Or has the narrative changed because of how good they've been this season up till this point? Uh, I I disagree. I think Arsenal's season fell apart when um, William Saliba got injured because that he was huge for them, absolutely huge. And we talked about Jesus getting injured earlier in the season, sort of just before the World Cup. Um, oh, you know how are Arsenal gonna gonna cope without his goals and his his sort of um, influence on the team and and how they attack. Um, sort of their sort of dynamic attack sort of thing. I think all that was was always going to be all right because they had so many options. Goals from the wings, Saka Martinelli, Odegaard chipping in with loads of goals. 
um, was was all always going to be be the case. When you take a centre back out who has been so so good, um, it's it's massive. Rob Holding has been such a drop off, um, and I'd probably say Ben White would be the best choice at centre back back in. Back in uh, from right back, but they have, no, they have no. He's not trying to fight Phil Foden after the game. Yes, yeah, madness <laughs> in it. But they have no specialist right back in the squad. I was looking through the the entire squad last night. The only right back at the club, you'd probably say, who's a who's a proper right back, it may be Tommy Yasu. So it? can we call it and a bottle him? then? Can we call it a choke because of all of the things you've outlined no, no. there? Well, they weren't expected well, to win the title. They were barely expected to finish in the top four. To be honest with you, they've mm-hmm. not got a. Legitimate right back in the squad. Yeah, but that's their own fault. They've got money. It is their own one. fault. But then to compete for the title against this Manchester City team with a robot up front who scored almost fifty goals <laughs> this season. Let me ask you both a question based on what you're saying about a right back. And I was thinking about this on my drive into the studio today. We're saying this will put Arsenal in a good position for next season. We said yeah. a couple of weeks ago that they will have learned. They've got, there's a lot of inexperience in that squad. What do they need in the summer? to come out fighting and challenge next season. So you're saying a right back. I think a goal scorer, right. I think as good as Gabriel Jesus is, he's yeah, not going to get you 20 goals deadly, a season. Is he? No. Um bit of bottle. <laughs> I, I know it sounds I, tongue in cheek, but a bit of bottle, a bit of guts. They've shown guts this season, but you know, you think Reese Nelson 90th minute clutch winner against Bournemouth. Mm. There've been moments this season where Arsenal have diced with it a bit and they've come close to throwing it away and it feels like now at the crucial time they've just come apart a little bit and last season we said Arteta had a really young group and they missed out on the top four maybe because of their inexperience they missed out on the title maybe this season because of their inexperience do they need someone with experience I mean Thomas Partey in the middle has won stuff with Atletico Madrid Mm -hmm. Xhaka is a, a character who's been there for a while. So you've got sort of in the heart of the pitch two players who've been there a long time. But the goalkeeper's 23 and has been relegated twice. And that's not a slight on him because he's been really good this season. But in terms of winning championships, doesn't have the experience. The two centre-backs, young lads, one of them Saliba. We've only seen him for the first time in the Premier League this season. He'll be better for the experience this term. And he'll go on to be a great player, I'm sure, in years to come. But in terms of that nous... The only players they've got really are Zinchenko and Jesus. Yeah. And one of them spent half a season injured. So maybe they need a bit more of that experience. I don't know. That's mm. what would be my my takeaway. They would have been the youngest squad on average to win the Premier League title. I think if they can get a goal scorer, get someone to put the ball in the back of the net, it'd be easier. If they can get a right back, because that is a deficiency in their squad. And I think you're spot on in terms of needing a bit of experience but I don't think the experience necessarily means but even the manager's inexperienced yeah I don't think experience necessarily means an older player I think I mean there's been rumours linking Declan Rice with a move to Arsenal and Declan Rice may feel like my answer to everything but I think he'd do a great job in that, that, that Arsenal midfield he's been there in terms of his England credentials he's been in finals and semi-finals yeah. he's been in a first team squad for Five years, I think he's now been he'll a regular be a leader West Ham and he's still 23. He in, I think he'd be a great addition to yeah, the Arsenal it's team. It's not a bad shout. Um, so I guess the argument is, Marley, is it still a great season for Arsenal, regardless of everything? Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, I don't I don't think Arsenal need anything next season. I think this this squad could challenge again. And if they ever get in this in this uh, position again, they won't bottle it. Because I said, said a couple of weeks ago, I think Arsenal... Are in a weird situation where if they lose this title, they'll be a better squad, because you need to you need to learn from your your sort of experiences. 
And there's no bigger pain for a player than not winning the Premier League from a position where you should have won the Premier League. Um, and I think for a young squad, um, that experience is is massive. Um, so going forward next season, you know, have they had a good season? Yeah, they absolutely have because they would never have expected to be in a title race. This, you know, after 32 games, they're still in charge of the Premier League now. They're still top of the Premier League as we speak, and we're 32 games in. Uh, sorry, 33 for Arsenal. Um, I know City have played 31 and, and there's obviously a big asterisk over that but for them to be in the race this late in would would be beyond anyone's expectations. Arsenal mm. would have took a comfortable third place finish. Yeah, back in the they Champions League would have been the end, off. wouldn't it? Yeah. Champions League and then we'll go from there. That's what they, they'll, they'll have said at the start of the season. Um, but their momentum was built up by that amazing sort of first third of the season where they mm. barely lost a game. Um, and then... Then the City juggernaut came because yeah. City's juggernaut arrives in February and it doesn't stop until May. Mm. Whereas Arsenal and every other team they've come up against in the Premier League over the last five years has ran out of steam with the exceptional uh, exception of the COVID season with Liverpool when Liverpool yeah. edged them and then celebrated in front of absolutely nobody. <laughs> um, but but it is, it's one of those things, you know, it's... it's, it's the. The experience you gain from losing a title from this position cannot be bought. It cannot be bottled. Mm. And I don't use that word ironically, uh, the word bottled, but it can't be just given to a squad. You have to go through the hard times. And I think they, they could easily, you know, if, if Pep Guardiola leaves Man City in two years or if he leaves next year, or, or even if he's still there and they have a bit of a an injury hit season next year, if Arsenal can continue this momentum for the next couple of years, they could they could win the Premier League. It's easy. It's not easy. It's it's as easy as that. They just need to keep going, and mm. they'll become stronger through the process that they've that they've just been through. All right. Final score last night at the Etihad: a big result for Manchester City, the defending champions, looking to retain their crown. Arsenal, the closest challengers, has that wiped them out of the title race? Four-one. It finished. And interestingly, Marley mentioned that Arsenal's start to the season was excellent. The first six games of Chelsea's season were managed by Thomas Tuchel. And in just those six games, he accrued 25% of the points that Chelsea currently have. Another terrible night for them last night. We'll talk about it next after this on Football Social Daily. <clears throat> Everyone get your sniffs out. <laughs> talk about over the last couple of days including some games tonight we'll get on to those shortly but first let's look back at yesterday's result at Nottingham Forest where they beat Brighton a really important victory you can't underestimate Jim just how big a win this is for Steve Cooper and his players they're now out of the bottom three and you saw it on the touchline when the winning goal went in as well from Steve Cooper it looked like he just won the Premier League the Champions League the Charity Shield, the Cup of the Ray, all in one kind of and moment. Kept his job, mate. Yeah, he looked, well. well, he's got a five-year contract, doesn't he? Because they renewed it at the beginning of the season, but he looks pretty pleased with himself. I mean, it changes so quickly yeah. at the moment at the bottom mm. of the table. It's just one goal just makes so much difference. But Forest are edging away, and it's that, that field is thinning at the oh. moment. But I mean, it, it's condensing, concentrating down, isn't it? But do you yeah. know what? You go back to last Friday night, Arsenal against Southampton. 3-3 draw. We were just talking about Arsenal and they had to come from behind to get a draw against Saints. If Southampton had won that game and Leicester had lost to Wolves on Saturday, Southampton could be out 
of the bottom three, or at least off the bottom, and Leicester would be on the bottom of the table. Now, as it stands, Everton have dropped to second bottom, Forrest are out of it, Leicester, even though they got a draw on Tuesday, are now back in. So like you mentioned, it's just shifting and moving all the time. It's a brave person that puts a bet on it, but I think that's what makes the rest of the Premier League season so intriguing. And we were saying earlier how Marley's saying that the Premier League title is done, and it probably is, but when you've got so many teams scrapping for points and desperate to claw their way out of the Premier League, Man City have got to go and play Everton later this season still. <laughs> I mean, who would who'd bet against Sean Dyche managing to scrape Me. a draw at Goodison <laughs> Park? I'll tell that bet with you. <laughs> well, you've got... I've not got a good uh, record so far this season. You've I'm got like... Everton tonight, Newcastle. We'll come on to that in a bit. But yeah. for Nottingham Forest to get that win, it kind of psychologically reapplies the pressure, doesn't mm. it? It's not just three points to get you out of the relegation zone. It also puts the shakes into the other teams around you. There's not a lot you can say about it really other than teams are just going to keep on chopping and changing in that bottom three. Like I say, Everton play tonight. If they get three points out of Newcastle, that's them out of the bottom three and Forest instantly drop back in. Mm. I think what you've got to look at at the moment with all of the teams that are down at that end of the table is their, is their current form. So their form over the last five weeks because always at this point in the season you see teams slowly pulling away and the ones that shift into the gear at this stage in the season are the ones that will likely be safe. So Wolves and West Ham at the moment, they found form at the right time. They're picking up points and they're pulling away. Leeds, on the other hand, are doing exactly the opposite. And I can't remember how many goals they've let in in the last four games, but it's something insane, isn't it? It's like an average of four goals a game or something stupid. Yeah. And they are sinking like a stone. Yeah, and they are... two against Fulham, six against Liverpool, five against Crystal Palace. Yeah, they can't do anything at the moment to get points. And so you really worry about Leeds, but there's I mean, certain teams that are finding form. And I still fancy Everton to pull out of this one as well. Because, that's interesting. Because, because of the Sean Dyche factor, even though he's maybe not got the points that we expected them to get on the board after his appointment, mm. I still think there's enough fight in that squad to kind of pick up enough to creep up the table. I want to t- touch upon Everton shortly because we're going to talk about Frank Lampard in a bit, who of course was at Everton but is <laughs> oh, now at Chelsea. That'll be fun. I just wonder whether this season will boil down to moments and will Patrick Bamford missing at the back post against Leicester for Leeds United on Tuesday night. Will that be one of those moments that defines a season? Will winning last night for Nottingham Forest, even though they missed the penalty, be one of those moments that defines the season? We will wait and see because Jim's right. I think you'd be a fool to put any money on who you think will go down, apart from probably Southampton, who look the most likely. The rest of the teams in that bottom four or five you just, you know, you're picking names out of a hat almost, aren't you? It is a complete lottery, really, when it comes to choosing who you think might go down. It's not Who's a lot- your bottom three at the moment from the three that would go down? Nottingham Forest, I still think they could go. Until recently, I thought Bournemouth could go, and, and I guess they still could. They're mm. not entirely safe. But Southampton, I can't see them getting out of it. I think it's Southampton, Forest and Leeds. I think they look like the I don't three know, in danger. Marley? I, d- I don't know. Uh, Southampton... I can't make a case for Leeds when they're shipping all the goals they are, even though I would like them to stay up. Um, and Forest. So you both think Everton are going to get out of it, which is interesting because we're going to talk about Frank Lampard now. As Chelsea lost again last night, Thomas Frank getting the better of Chelsea's Frank. An astonishing record in his last 19 Premier League games. One win in his last 19 Premier League games, and that's across two clubs. Of course, Everton... And now Chelsea, that's now five defeats on the bounce for him in the Stamford Bridge dugout. 
It's hilarious. Oh. <laughs> it's really. Where, where it's did Chelsea almost like go? they should have seen this coming, really, shouldn't they? Really. <laughs> Last nineteen matches for Frank Lampard. Lost 2-0, lost 2-1, lost 2-0, lost 1-0, lost 2-0, lost 2-1, lost 3-1, lost 4-1, drew 1-1, lost 2-1, lost 3-0, lost 4-1, lost 2-0, drew 0-0, won 3-0, lost 1-0, lost 2-0, lost 2-1, lost 2-0. Chelsea... Hey, there's a two-game unbeaten run in there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think the last, any trophy. <laughs> the last five games, including tonight, Chelsea have scored once. Yep. I mean, Chelsea have only got themselves to blame, haven't they? If you'd appoint a manager based on the fact he knows the team lady rather than based on the fact that he's got some kind of football managerial experience and knowledge, then you're asking for trouble. And it's just a demonstration of how Bowley's running that football club at the moment, I think. It's just a really poor choice. But where does Frank Lampard go? Who's possibly... Home. Gonna, yeah, who's going to give him a job after this? <laughs> even even I mean, a championship it, or a league one? It was bang team. or bust. I wouldn't give him a job if I was a championship manager. No. If I was a championship club, sorry. No, well, like you base someone on their performances and their CV, don't you? Whatever job it is you're employing Did he, did he for. think he could go into Chelsea and sort of salvage something? No. Get a few points, get a few results and maybe get the job permanently next season? Or He won the lottery going there. Give himself bigger stock for a new job? No. Is that what he was doing it for? Or was he genuinely doing it because, like he said, he loves Chelsea and he was never going to turn the chance down? He took that job in the same way that if somebody walked in here now and said, Jim, do you want the West Ham job from now to the end of the season? He would say yes. Jim's not a West Ham legend, though. <laughs> yeah, but know. he is an idiot. So, <laughs> And he could have done the same job. Do you know the same I mean? coaching badges as Will Still and he's in the running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's madness. But I, Do you remember when they sacked... Potter and we were like, right, who's going to be next? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to try and get Nagelsmann or are they going to try and um, give give it to someone to the end of the season and then change? And we didn't know at the time. And I can't remember who Chelsea played that weekend, but Bruno took the team, Bruno Salto. And Lampard was just in the stand. And at, at that time, I can 100% guarantee you, he was only going to that game just to watch. He's bumped into Todd Bowley in the 100%. toilet, hasn't he? You know, you know how sometimes you see like managers who are about to take a job watch the match, and it's like an it becomes a yeah, yeah. A, an a, an open secret. Like mm. you know, somebody will like Deitch watching Everton, and you're like, well, what's what business has he got other yeah. than watching? You know, he's gonna obviously gonna take the job. But this one was, you know, Lampard was just casually sitting there watching the match, and then literally 15 hours later, he was the manager of Chelsea, and. Logic would suggest, like, oh, they must have been talking before the game and that's why he was there. But Todd Bowley and Logic are two completely irrelevant things. They they don't match up at all. So I honestly think he's he's had a look round and he's gone, oh, hold on, Lampard might be a, you know, a, a smart choice. The fans will love him and they won't hate me long term. And he can't do any worse than what Potter might have done. Well, he but is. He is, 100%. <laughs> they would have got a few points out of... Potter out of these games under Potter but hmm. it's the thing with the interim manager you can't be strong as an interim manager you can't be you can't lay down the law because everyone knows it changes in two months mm-hmm. he can't go into um, to Pulisic and Ziyech and going you're out not going to give you any games because you're not part of my plans because in two months whoever comes in and it looks like Pochettino now mm. um, 
they might be big part of his plans. So he, he can't bin them off. You can't win as an interim manager. You can't do anything. You're just a supply teacher. It's amazing they're not all telling... You know, when you get a supply teacher at school and you all tell them a fake name, like <laughs> you tell them, like you tell them you're, um, oh yeah, my name's Table. And it's like, no, it's not. But they can't do anything because they're going home at the end of the day. They're not going to be there and they don't care about you the next week. So that's the same with, um, with, with Lampard at Chelsea. You can't do anything for because it's everyone knows it's going to change. To defend Bowley slightly in terms of his decision to bring Lampard in, now, I think we all saw this where this was going with Frank Lampard, and he did have that great spell with Les, uh, Le- Chelsea <laughs> when they... Um, transfer embargo. When he first kind of went in, they were on transfer embargo. It was a very unique situation. It was during COVID and all that kind of stuff. So there was some kind of, kind of hint that he might be able to perform to some capacity. And Bowley didn't need someone that was going to transform that Chelsea team instantaneously and start turning over teams 4-5-0. He just needed a safe pair of hands that would get them through to the end of the season and not turn the club into a laughing stock. Unfortunately, that has happened. But that's what he was going for. And he wants to give the next manager, whoever that is, and like Mm. I say, it looks like Pochettino, the best possible start. And you do that by giving them a summer to train and build the new team. And that that part of the plan makes perfect sense. The Lampard bit is the bit that doesn't make sense. I do think Marley's right, though, because I've just got the Chelsea squad in front of me and I've actually got their contract dates on here as well. So I'm just having a look and trying to go through each player in my head in terms of what their situation might be. And it kind of goes back to what Marley said. Why would they care what Frank Lampard says? Even though he's a club legend, he's only going to be there for another couple of weeks. N'Golo Conte out of contract in the summer. Zicaria on loan, he'll go back. Joel Felix could go back. Thiago Silva's 40. Uh, Mateo Kovacic out of contract in June 24, can start talking to other clubs. Aspil Equator, one of the older players on the on the books, he could leave as well. Bamiang, he's not going to stay. Loftus-Cheek, maybe not good enough. Pulisic, never fit. Mason Mount, question marks about him. Aretha Balaga, not good enough. Ziek wanted to leave, wasn't allowed to leave, so ended up staying. Kai Havertz, not good enough. Edouard Mendy, bombed out by two managers. The list goes on and on and on and on. Mm. And you're talking about here Chelsea players who are supposed to be winning silverware for the club. There are more problems there than I think meet the eye. Yeah, and then everyone you didn't mention is on a seven-year fucking contract. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's... Uh, there's big there's big problems they need, a, they need to clear out. They need a really strong manager. Um, I don't think they've, they're going to get that. I, I'm not sure Pochettino's the man to come in and say, make instant decisions because the fact that they've got about you know, eight, nine attacking players to fit into one system. Like, it's just... He looked at the lineup last night and I think they had um, six six midfielders and five uh, and four defenders, or five and five. There was no attackers, like, in that squad. And Sterling and Gallagher played the most f- furthest forward and it never looked like it was going to work from from the lineup, and it didn't work when they got on the pitch. I mean, the best attacker is probably João Felix. Yeah, yeah. And he's the one who you probably play because you want him to stay and be part of it next mm-hmm. season. But again, it goes back to what I said before. Lampard isn't going to be the man who says, I want João Felix. No, no. It's going to be whoever comes in. Well, it's and going, whoever to, be the, comes it's going in, to be the owner that says who he wants because that seems to be what the situation is at the moment. Yeah, and but think, whoever comes in is going to see João Felix on the way out because they're just going to pass each other. But this was going to be my next question. Does what's happening now at Chelsea, lost five in a row, disarray, the worse it gets, does that make it easier for a new manager who looks like it could be Pochettino with the way things are going, or will it make it harder for him? And what I mean by that is, does it make it easier because he's got a lower bar to start from 
and therefore anything he does do is an improvement? Or does it make it harder because his job effectively is harder because he's got to build them up from ground zero effectively? I guess that's a good thing though, isn't it? If you you want if you're going in with a plan and Pochettino is kind of like a project manager and he goes in with a particular style of play, that actually if you burn things down to the ground, you can build them back up again rather than trying to change something that's worked previously. Like if if Thomas Tuchel's tactics had actually, or Graham Potter's tactics had worked really well, they wouldn't have left in that case. But you kind of know what I mean. It's like you're not you're improving on nothing rather than improving on something. So I think in terms of a fan perspective, that makes it easier. In terms of a club morale situation, it probably makes it harder because you've got to pick those players up and make them believe again that they are worthy of wearing that football shirt rather than just being there for the paycheck. The real challenge that Chelsea have got, I think, and we can't underestimate the impact this had, is the departure of Roman Abramovich and the complete change in structure of that football club. When Chelsea have been in these situations previously, they've been able to throw money at the situation. Well, Tom and Bowley, it. when he came in, he didn't have to sack Peter Cech. He didn't no. have to get rid of the people that have been there for 20 years. But you can see why he wanted to. He wanted to clear the decks. I, I do get that because he wanted a fresh start. But this is football. It never really works when no. you clear everyone out and bring everyone new in. It doesn't work straight away anyway. But Chelsea just don't have the financial power they once had. They but made what? £120 million pounds in losses last yeah. year. And also when you hear certain football pundits say, what does Frank Lampard have that Julian Nagelsmann doesn't have or vice versa? What Ability. Does, yeah. What, you know, <laughs> <Another way around. laughs> That's a new know, one. Bring in a guy who knows the club. He doesn't know this Chelsea. Mm. He knows the Abramovich Chelsea. He That's what Lampard there. knows. He knows it's like, it's his like way to the college in London. Yeah. You can get the from his house to the ground the really quickly. <laughs> it's the same building. There's just different occupants. And I just don't understand. This Lampard that we see now, this iteration of Lampard as Chelsea manager, he wears the Chelsea badge, he turns up at the same stadium, goes to the same training ground. It's not the same football club. No. It's totally different. Anyway, we'll talk about Chelsea more, I'm sure, between now and the end of the season. But there are some games tonight that we need to touch upon as well. Manchester United take on Tottenham this evening in a top four tussle. Who will come out on top in that one after another sorry showing for Spurs on Sunday? We'll talk about it next. Final part of today's FSD. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode again. Yesterday we heard from former top flight midfielder Dean Hammond who was telling us about his troubles with drink post-retirement as well as his time playing in the Premier League with Leicester City and just exactly what it was like when one N'Golo Conte came into the building and he had no idea what had just hit him. You can hear it on yesterday's podcast so just scroll back and find it. If you watch the video by the way that's on social media of Dean Hammond and there's a few clips to kind of entice you into the podcast. I think it looks like Dean Hammond lives in an igloo. He's just moved house. He's, he's like the, the most wrapped up. It's April. He's like he's the most there, wrapped man. up man in the world. I mean, I respect to him for getting his internet sorted in time to be able to speak <laughs> yeah. to us. I think yeah. that deserves immense credit. But yeah, it was a cool chat with Dean Hammond. So go back and listen to that. Right. We're going to talk about Manchester United against Spurs now because that's one of the games tonight in the Premier League. There are a couple of others as well. But Tottenham, it's been disarray for them as well, hasn't it? We spoke about Chelsea before the break, but it's been almost as bad at Spurs recently, they sacked Antonio Conte. They were hammered by Newcastle at the weekend. That's seen Stellini leave, I think, as well. Ryan Mason's in temporary charge. Spurs players have offered to refund the fans who travelled to Newcastle in that 6-1 defeat. At this point, it's just comical, isn't it, Marley? At Spurs, no one knows what's going on. Yeah, London's a mess at the minute, isn't it? Chelsea's, Chelsea's all over the place. Spurs are all over the place. West Ham are fighting at the bottom. Europa League conference semi-final, mate. <laughs> yeah. Crystal Palace are down there, you know, scrapping and... 
things are slightly all right at Arsenal, but the wheels have fell off there as well. Keep your further north. <laughs> yeah, the further Lane north you come, good. everything's all right. Yeah, yeah, you've got you know. Got new... all right, Brentford. Brentford are doing all right. I don't know where Brentford is, mate. To be honest, so. <laughs> is that London? Yeah. yeah. Is it West just outside? London. Where's West London? Ah, well, it's technically a town inside Greater London, isn't it? Brentford. Is it? Ah, yeah. I've never been, so it's a nice anyway. place. You should go. It's good. Nah, great pub, right. railway tavern, brilliant pub next to stadium. <laughs> So the players have said, Marley, they're going to refund the fans from the Newcastle game. We always hear this after a big defeat yep. at all levels of football. Do you football. know what the issue fans with that need is? A refund. The ticket is the cheapest part of a day mm. out to Newcastle from from London. Yeah, it yeah. costs you two hundred pounds to get there on the train. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Uh, return ticket if you're lucky, hundred and fifty quid. Uh, petrol probably hundred quid. <laughs> Forty quid ticket or I, thirty I, maybe. I, 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 I hate this, this by the way. I, I, I'm, I'm going to probably say similar to you, Jim. When you go to a football match. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. That's part of the reason to go, is you don't know what's going to happen in that game. And sometimes Spurs might win 6-1. I don't understand. I know it's a long way, and it's a poor performance, but they don't have a manager. The players don't care. They were always going to get turned over by Newcastle, maybe not as handsomely as they were. They were always going they were to lose that game, weren't they? Win it, yeah. Of course they weren't. Well, it's a bit of a It's not as if gesture. it's an FA Cup third round and you've gone away to a League One team and got... Scotch five over, one, yeah. Yeah. But Six also, five. if you go away to watch the football, if you were going from Tottenham to Newcastle in a car of your mates and you were going to watch a football game, yeah. maybe have a little beer afterwards, maybe get a chicken parmo or something while you're up in the northeast, <laughs> that's a good day out still. I don't like if I was going up to Newcastle to watch West Ham and we lost five nil, yeah. Yeah, I might be disappointed in the game. I am not leaving after twenty minutes because I've paid fifty quid for a ticket and mm. I will get every little bit of value out of that ticket it's entertainment at the end yeah, of the day it's a it? day out it's fun and that's the that's the, what's great about football it's highs and it's lows and it's yeah. getting battered and it's different levels here yeah. but two and a half years after we were in the FA Cup final I got myself up out of bed hung over on New Year's Day to go to Swindon away the county ground there was what a, a trooper few, a few thousand of us there all hung over from the night before we lost 5-0 this <clears> is Portsmouth here in the Premier League two and a half years previously Lost 5-0 to Swindon. Who did Swindon have at the time? Paolo De Canio was their manager. It was Luongo there. Legend. Pulling mm, strings in not, the field. It was a little bit after, I think. Or oh, maybe wow. he was, and James Collins was scoring goals, and I think Charlie Austin might have just left, actually, at that point. Mm. But anyway, we got beat 5-0. None of us asked for a refund. No. Because that's football. You yeah. lose games. <laughs> yeah. Get over it. Get in the sea. I know it's not a Monday, but get in the sea with your ticket refunds. Yeah. Not good, yep. but Spurs, they say the players in this statement that they put out about refunding the travelling fans that went up to St. James's Park, they say that they'll give all they can to get a result tonight against Manchester United, a team who are also, like Newcastle and like Spurs, should be fighting for the top four. Do you think we're going to see that tonight? Do you think we will see a Tottenham reaction? Bloody hell. Uh, there has to be. I think they can't be as bad as they were against Newcastle. Put it well, put it this way. Newcastle got beat by Villa 3-0 and the reaction was murdering Spurs mm. and being... The game was done within 21 minutes. Well, the game was done within 10 minutes. But that it's 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 that character that you've got to show, and it's that like embarrassment of of uh, one result then manifesting itself into a good mm. performance away at Old Trafford. A hard place to go. Manchester but, United played 120 minutes on Sunday, though, in yeah. the cup semi-final. They've got a few injury problems. Rashford's not fully fit. He's playing through something at the minute. You can tell by the way he's he's moving. Um, there's uh, injuries at the back. I think it's probably going to be Maguire and Lindelof again yep. tonight. Mm. That's all, all the motivation you need. Like You've got one of the best strikers in the world mm. against Harry Maguire. Yeah, yeah. 
Simple as that. Like, they both play against each other for England. I don't know. There's a few yeah. quite good matchups tonight. But. It's madness, but they have to show something because they were they were woeful against Newcastle. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. Mason has probably got to go back to a back three because, as we said on Monday's podcast, they just didn't suit a back four. It might be the way forward long term, but you need a hmm. you need specialist fullbacks in that position, not wing backs who are defensively naive. They might not even finish in the Europa League fifth place spot. They might finish in the sixth place spot if Villa keep going no, the way yeah, they're yeah. going. Yep, maybe, maybe. And it's that bad at the moment for Spurs that, you know, lost to Newcastle last week probably knocks them out of the top four race. If they lose to Manchester United tonight, they're definitely not getting top four. And obviously the two teams uh, fighting for those Champions League spots this season look likely to be United and Newcastle United. So we will wait and see what happens there. Some of the other games tonight involve Newcastle. They take on Everton. Southampton and Bournemouth is also this evening. How are we predicting those games are going to unfold, Jim? Are you seeing an unlikely result here for Everton? No. Although I did say earlier, never rule it out with Sean Dyche needing to scrap for points because if anyone can scrap for points from a managerial perspective, it's him. Whether the team have got that capability or not is a completely different question. But if you look at Newcastle in their win against Spurs last week, I can hear, I'm rummaging I can for hear the you getting bell. the cliche bell out. I haven't said it yet and you're getting it there. Um, well, I can't think of a cliche. I can just well, roll what out What I was going to say is Everton, Goodison Park in a night game. Tough Under the lights, <laughs> midweek fixture. Um, I mean, Newcastle with the, the way they played against Spurs just looked absolutely unbeatable. They mm. just like have got into such a good run of. But at St James's, they are probably the best home team in the league. I don't know whether the stats back that up this season with the amount of defeats they've had. Was it yeah, two, one. one one defeat at home this season? Yeah. So it's been amazing for them at St James's Park. For Everton, is very similar. They're at home tonight. If they're gonna stay up. Goodison, they have to win the games at Goodison. Yeah, and it's a load of six-pointers now, isn't it? For Everton, for Southampton, for Bournemouth, they all need to win every single game. And every time they lose a game now, we're going to be, oh, that's it, that game over, they're going down. With every result that comes along, it's just such a high-pressured end to the season. And probably the same for United and Spurs as well. And I think the only difference with the United and Spurs game is they're both teams that have got something to prove off the back of recent results. United with Sevilla, they didn't do brilliantly against Brighton either, I don't think. Obviously, Spurs against Newcastle, but you've got... And it'd be interesting to see how the impact this has. So, Ryan Mason taking control, and I heard his press conference that he gave, would have been last night, saying he wants the job permanently, that he wants to be considered the next full-time Spurs manager, which would be a really brave choice for Daniel Levy to make. But he needs to prove himself, and he's got a very limited time to do that. So, can he get a response from the Spurs team based on that? I've never heard that pronunciation of the word stupid. Uh, <laughs> brave, <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be daft. But fair play to the lad. I wouldn't put it past Spurs. Put it no that word. way. Why? I mean, if he does well between now and the end of the season, why not? I mean, he, at some point he's, he's got to take that step up. He's not got the character. He's not had the chance to prove himself, has he, Ryan Mason, as a manager? Yeah, but Spurs. Whether Spurs is the place to do it. I don't know. He was, he was whispering place, instructions yeah. to Cellini on the touchline last week, and he got whooped six-one. Wait, wait, the job didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was probably whispering. You'll you get know. sacked, and I'll get in. Yeah, Christian, we shouldn't have gone with a back four today. It hasn't hasn't really worked. And yeah. then you look at the clock, and the clock says twelve minutes, and the scoreline says three 0 So it's like, yeah, yeah. Analysis. Yeah. <laughs> also, Southampton against Bournemouth, not a South Coast derby, I should add, or at least not the South Coast derby. But two teams, one of which is firmly in relegation trouble, the other still in a bit of bother, but not quite as much. How do you think that might go? 
Who's this? Bour- Bournemouth and Southampton. <laughs> Southampton. I'm not, that's I was, how interesting this game is. That's, 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 it I is was, interesting. I, know think. I was confused by Niles. It's not quite the South Coast derby because they're 10 miles inland. And it's like with me. I, I mean, take the A64 for the new proper. Uh, I don't know when Roy Hodgson started hosting the podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who grew up, not you couldn't be further away from that. You also couldn't be further away from the fact that. I could not care less about this game, to be honest. You know, it was you last season. I know, yeah. It's, it's bon- I don't know, Bournemouth. Too busy eating corned beef hash for breakfast, you Northerners. Ooh, love a bit of, corn- oh, love a bit love a bit of, of corned beef hash. If you're American and listening to this... Don't try it. Do not try it. It's the worst thing you, you know can what? Eat. Even when you Google it, you can't get the right type of corned beef hash because everyone has it differently. As long so. as you've got a bit of HP on it, it's fine. That's Anything tastes good with oh, HP sauce. I'll it? take this one, Marley, for you. And uh, I'm going to... Say exactly what I said. A it's going to be ago. a draw. If Southampton lose, that's it. They're done. Yeah. Bournemouth. Where's they, it at? They're already six points from safety. If Bo- it Bournemouth get the win, that's it. They're, they're safe. Uh, it's at St Mary's, and that should be enough for Bournemouth. I reckon. I reckon they'll go in there with motivation, and they'll get. A, well, mind you, to be honest with you, they get a point. They're probably all right as well. But they need three points. This is probably when you look at their run of fixtures. This is the most winnable game that they've got left. Win it. Get it done. Get on the beach for the final five days. Bournemouth win. Probably not fast to the beach in Bournemouth. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's all I know about Bournemouth. Inland. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> yeah, his geography shocking. He said it was ten miles inland a minute ago. <laughs> what is it? It's on the beach. It's literally. Oh, is it Bournemouth Beach? Mate, I, once again, I grew up in Cumbria, and I I am both near the beach, but also ten miles away from it because everything is very spread. More out used up to there, having so. nuclear waste washing up on the shoreline, aren't 100%, you? Hundred percent. That that explains why hair fever is killing me off today because my immune system is not what it was. All right, that'll do us for football social daily. Loads of midweek Premier League action to go through, and tomorrow we'll be looking ahead to the weekend's games as we always do on a Friday. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and you won't miss another episode. Again, it will be exciting between now and the end of the season. Maybe not so much at the top end of the table. But as Jim said earlier, you never know. We'll see you next time. Catch you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.